You are listening to the Sermons Podcast from the North Church in Moundsview, Minnesota. For more gospel-focused resources or information about our church, please visit us at thenorthchurch.com. The sermon text for today comes from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 27. It's Proverbs chapter 4. You can find that on page 529 of the Blue Bibles under your seats. Proverbs chapter 4. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget. And do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that, your, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let her go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble, for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Well, good morning. It is good to be together as we open God's word. Would you join me as we pray? Father, open our eyes to see wondrous things from your word. Incline our hearts to you and to your wisdom and then satisfy us with your steadfast love so we would walk in your ways all the days of our life. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. One of my favorite stories is the story of Team Hoyt, Dick and Rick Hoyt. How many of you have heard that before? After I mention it, you will probably have heard it. Rick Hoyt was born uh, 
and the doctors discovered that the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck and so he had cerebral palsy. He was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. He would never be able to walk, nor would he ever be able to speak. The doctors told his parents to institutionalize him. He would never be anything more than a vegetable. And instead, the parents taught him the alphabet. They equipped him with a computer so that he could communicate to them. And even though he would be a quadriplegic for the rest of his life, he could begin to communicate. When he was 15, he asked his dad, Rick, asked his dad, Dick, through a computer, whether they could enter a 5K race in order to benefit a classmate who had become paralyzed. So the dad, not much of a runner, ran the 5K and pushed his son in the wheelchair, and they came in second to last. Afterwards, Rick typed out the following words to his father. Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. Reading that every time just gets me a little choked up. That began their journey on completing 1,130 endurance events. The father-son duo completed 72 marathons, the Boston Marathon 32 times, 97 half marathons, 257 triathlons, six of them Ironman distances, and the, Dick, uh, and the dad, Dick, died in 2021 at age 80. I think this example shows us the power of a father's love. It illustrates for us that when this dad heard that his son could have the feeling, the sense of not being handicapped for just a moment, he wanted to do whatever he could, move heaven and earth in order for his son to feel normal even for just a moment. And this morning, our passage from Proverbs 4 is the heartfelt appeal. It's the loving, gentle appeal of a father who wants the best for his son. Contrary to what we see in popular culture, the father of Proverbs 4 is not the bumbling idiot or the lazy bum like you might find in Homer Simpson. He's not the violent or abusive or domineering individual that lashes out because of his own insecurity. Instead, this father longs for his son to walk in the way of life. Also contrary to popular culture, this father doesn't believe that his son is just perfect as he is. He's just our little perfect angel perfectly innocent from the womb. Instead, he resonates with Proverbs 22:15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And so he's trying to drive that folly far from his son. So the main point of Proverbs 4 this morning is this, that we would see the father's love in calling us in the way of life. See the Father's love in calling us in the way of wisdom and in the way of life. Get wisdom, live by it, and don't depart from it. What we see in Proverbs 4 is an example for earthly fathers, but it's also an appeal from our heavenly Father. This morning, for the dads among us and the moms, if our children are going to stand firm in this world, they're gonna need broad shoulders to stand upon. 
One of the primary ways we seek to treasure Christ in all of life is to pass down godly wisdom to this next generation so that they would walk in the ways of wisdom and that they would walk in the ways of life. And so what I wanna do now is turn our attention to Proverbs chapter four. You can see the passage broken down into three main sections. And it's all indicated by the presence of my son or my sons. You see that in verse one, you see that in verse 10, and you see that in verse 20. And so we'll look at each of these three sections. The first section, verses one through nine, is wisdom. This is the father speaking to the son. Wisdom is a partner that you ought to prize. Wisdom is a partner you ought to prize. Look at verse one. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. The dad begins, listen up, son, pay attention. I don't want you to miss this. What I'm going to share with you is for your good. Do you see that? It's good precepts. The commands that a father gives his son, that the heavenly father gives us, are not killjoys. It's not to prevent us from having our best life, but they are for our life and joy. And then he reflects upon his own father. See that in verse three? When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me. So the word tender there means that he was young and undeveloped when he first began to receive his father's instruction. You might recall that when Hannah gave over Samuel to Eli at the temple in order to begin training him, how old was he? He was very young when she had just weaned him. He was probably three. So discipleship begins at a young age. And then he says, I was the only one in the sight of my mother. This means that he was beloved or cherished or unique. It's not necessarily that he was an only child because Genesis 22:2, Isaac is called Abraham's only son, even though Abraham had Ishmael as well. And so he, he's saying when I was really young and, and kind of beloved of my parents, they began to instruct me in their ways. And now we get the grandfather's words of wisdom from verse 4b all the way to nine, and we're gonna read those. Look with me. Let your heart hold fast to my words. So this is the father reflecting on what his father told him as he tells it to his son. Let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will love you and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly. She will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland and she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. So the father is citing the teaching of his father for what reason? I think it's this. This is the wisdom that has been passed down from generation to generation. This is the wisdom that has stood the test of time. This is the wisdom that has remained with the father now for decades. He received this wisdom when he was a young boy and now he turns to give this wisdom to his own son. The father is a living example that this wisdom has led him in the path of life. The father knows the temptations and the trials and the hardships that his son will face. And what's the teaching of the grandfather then that is being passed down? 
It's that wisdom is a partner to prize. Or you could put it, wisdom, lady wisdom is a woman to win. He says in verse eight, prize her highly. So wisdom is like an indispensable companion. Getting wisdom is like hitting the jackpot in finding the best spouse in the world. And since I'm up here, I'll take this moment to say I have found that in Stephanie. She is worth her weight in gold, though I won't tell you how much she weighs. That would be a bad sabbatical if I did that. <laughs> Finding a great spouse reaps rewards for a lifetime. And an unwise or immature spouse will make life incredibly difficult. Some of you know this firsthand. Proverbs 31.12 says, She does him good and not harm. Speaking of the Proverbs 31 woman, She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. And so the son is told, get lady wisdom. Verse six, she will keep you. She will guard you. Verse eight, she will exalt you. She will honor you. Verse nine, she'll bless you with a garland and a crown. That, that could be in a marriage ceremony or in a competition, you get crowned afterwards. So as we reflect on this teaching of the grandfather, life is difficult if you're married to someone who is argumentative who is irresponsible with money, who is immature and who doesn't communicate. But if you're married to someone who's kind and gentle and reasonable and understanding and he, who communicates and is responsible with money, it's a huge blessing. It makes your life a hundred times better. And the grandfather is saying wisdom is one of the greatest companions you could possibly get it will make your life a hundred times better. Get wisdom at all costs. Like a young man pursuing the hand of a beautiful, godly young woman, pursue wisdom that way. Everything else is shut out. You start learning about flowers, right? When you're a young man pursuing a woman for the first time, you were never interested in flowers and all of a sudden you're like, what flowers does she like? Or if you're beginning to think about marriage, how many of you men started figuring out what the four C's were when you were buying an engagement ring, right? You never studied it before, but in that moment, you're like, what cut, what color, what clarity, and how big of the carrot, right? And prior to that, and probably since then, you don't care about the four C's, but in that moment, you really care. And what the Father is saying here is pursue wisdom prize wisdom above all else. In the same way that a young man pursues a young woman, go all out in getting wisdom in pursuing a spouse. Now look at verse seven with me. Verse seven is, has odd construction. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. It's a little bit like saying the beginning of joy is to be happy or the beginning of wealth is to be rich. It doesn't make sense. But I think what he's saying here is that the beginning of wisdom is recognizing one's need for wisdom. When he says the beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. In 1 Kings 3, Solomon, God came to Solomon in a dream and he said to him, ask whatever you wish, I'll give it to you. And what does Solomon say? He says, I'm called to lead this great people how am I possibly going to be able to do that? And he then 
asks for wisdom. And God was pleased with his answer and he gave him wisdom and riches and honor. He saw his need for wisdom. So let me just pause here to encourage the fathers among us. Are you passing down wisdom to your children? What will your children remember you saying to them decades from now? What stories will you have repeated again and again? What prayers will they remember that we prayed together for as a family and God answered? What evidence of faith and trust and steadfastness will they have seen in your life? What lessons will they have heard you say and they have seen modeled by your life? There are very few things you can pass on to your children of lasting value. You can maybe pass an inheritance, a big 401k, maybe a watch, maybe a Bible, maybe a classic car, maybe your library. But will you pass on a spiritual heritage of faith? Will you pass on godly wisdom that you have accumulated, both through your successes and through your mistakes? And this is my burden for us this morning, brothers and sisters. If we're going to be a church where this next generation stands firm in Christ, we need every father to step up to the plate and do this work. Famous Minnesota twin player, Harmon Kilbrew, I think he has a street down by the Mall of America named after him. He's quoted as saying this, my father used to play with my brother and me in the yard. And mother would come out and say, you're tearing up the grass. We're not raising grass, dad would reply. We're raising boys. I would go one step further. Christian fathers are not just raising sons and daughters, but they are building strong men and women for dark times to shine the light of Christ. Christian parents are raising wise and courageous young men and women to hold fast to the word of God. So are, are our children being equipped to stand firm in this world? I pray that they are. So wisdom is a partner to prize or a woman to win. Now look with me at verses 10 to 19. The part two here is wisdom is a way to walk. Wisdom is a way to walk. The predominant image in this next section is the contrast between two possible paths. There's the way of uprightness and there's the way of wicked. There's two paths and he wants his son to pick the right one. The assumption is that the son has already begun down the path of wisdom and the father wants him not to depart from it. Look with me at verse 10. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. The path of the upright is a path that maximizes life. Do you see that? That your years may be many. This path of uprightness will be so that your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble, which means this path is void of obstacles and potholes. And oh, around this time, us Minnesotans long for some lack of potholes, right? 
This is the way that leads to life, walking in the way of wisdom. And now look how he contrasts it with the way of the wicked. Verse 14, do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it, do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. So, the father warns his son, stay away from this path of the wicked. Where it says they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. Can you imagine someone who can't sleep until they've committed a crime? It's obviously hyperbole, but the picture that he's painting for us is that there's this deep compulsion to do evil. There's an addiction to doing wrong. There's a preoccupation with evil. Like, boy, I feel so restless, can't go to bed, it's 2 a.m., let me go hurt someone, and then I'll sleep soundly. The idea is that they're enmeshed and addicted to wickedness on this path. This envisions compulsive gamblers and sexual addiction and being involved in gangs or abusing drugs or alcohol such that one cannot stop. The phrase, eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence portrays ingesting evil so that it becomes part of them. They feast on brutality, both unjust gain, but then they also delight in this unjust gain and in this violence and wickedness. It's like building a casino to exploit gambling addicts or selling lottery tickets to prey upon the poor or in our home state, the legalization of recreational marijuana that's going to cause many to stumble. Wickedness becomes ingrained and second nature. This is what a little compromise, a little wandering from the way of wisdom will ultimately result in. The sun can't see it because the paths at the beginning look pretty similar. And the dad is saying they have very different end destinations. The wicked are robbed of sleep. Their enjoyment cause comes in causing others to fall. And Jesus says in John 8, verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. They're enslaved by the very wickedness that they do. The stakes are high if you wander off the path of the upright and travel along the path of the wicked. The reality is that most of us, mo many people, don't think they'll end up in ruin if they just shoplift one time, if they look at pornography just a little bit, if they have just an emotional affair with someone at work, if they just cheat a little bit on their taxes, and yet the father has lived long enough, and he says, don't play with gasoline, son. You will get burned. Verse 18 and 19 summarize the two paths for us. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. The paths lead to destruction. One, lad, one path leads to more and more light. One summer in high school, I had to take the city bus in order to get to summer school. And so one day, coming uh, home from school, I took the wrong bus and it led me to an entirely different part of the city. 
And so the bus looked the same, but it was going to a totally different destination. It was going on a different direction. Similar vehicle, wrong place. So I had to get off when I started to recognize and then walked over to a payphone. And you guys don't know what those are, but imagine a phone that stays in its same place. And I had to call collect. I'm not even gonna bother explaining that. <laughs> I had to call collect because I had no money for my parents to come pick me up. The path of the upright and the path of the wicked at first don't look all that different, but they end up in wildly different destinations. And spiritually, we can't just double back or get picked up. What he's saying is this path begins to characterize your mind and your heart and your spiritual life. Jesus himself describes this dynamic. John 3.20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. They love the darkness and do not come into the light because their works are evil. If you go down that path, don't think you can just extricate yourself from it. Dwelling in darkness prevents one from coming into light and you dwell in greater and deeper darkness. So we've seen Wisdom is a partner to prize. Wisdom is a way to walk. And now we come to wisdom as a guide to guard. Verses 20 to 27. I'm gonna read these verses. What I want you to do is listen for all the uses of, or all the mentions of parts of the body as I read this. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. There are several mentions of the different parts of the body that are engaged here. And I think the point is this. Employ your entire body, all of your faculties, all of your senses to safeguard you from the path of the wicked. Be aware, pay attention, focus all of your body on making sure you don't go down the path of the wicked because you can't pull yourself back from it. Employ all your senses to focus in order to prevent you from departing from God's way. Let's just look at each of those. The ear, the ears are to be attentive to the Father's words, not just hearing them, but really hearing them. The eyes, the pupils, are to stay fixed or focused on this right teaching. They're to keep their eyes fixed on the destination. Where do we wanna end up 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now? The flesh, the body, experiences healing. The heart is to be vigilant, to keep wisdom from within, and from the heart flow springs of life. The mouth and the lips must refuse to utter wickedness to put devious talk far from you. And then the feet are to guide the body towards what is good, to stay on the path of wisdom. 
In verse 27, the son is commanded not to swerve to the right or to the left. And this is a phrase that shows up throughout the Old Testament and it's primarily when God commands Moses and the people of Israel to not stray from his commands. Here, Deuteronomy 5.32. You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God, Yahweh your God, has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. So the idea here is to obey Yahweh's commands, to not stray from them, but to remain on the straight and narrow. And this matches Jesus' teaching in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. So Jesus is teaching that it's common and easy to go the wrong way. The father is instructing the son, stay on the narrow path. God the father told Moses, stay on the path that I've instructed you. So the idea here is to employ all of your senses, your entire body, your whole life, to make sure you stay on the path of wisdom. An example of this would be Take necessary precautions so that you don't make mistakes. An example would be, don't put junk food in your house if you don't want to eat it. If you want to lose a few pounds, don't keep that cabinet full of Oreos. Or if you have a problem spending money that you don't have, then you know, people say use cash or put your credit cards in the freezer or make it inconvenient, whatever it may be. Focus on what is good. And for us this morning, the best way for us to do this is to immerse ourselves in God's goodness. Let your eyes focus on God's word. Let your ears listen to things that honor Christ. It surprises me how many Christians just listen to things that if Jesus was standing next to them, they would definitely turn it off. And yet, in the privacy of their headphones, they're totally fine with it. Let your body gather with the people of God on Sunday and throughout the week. If you're watching from home and it's mainly laziness that keeps you there, I would say you need to come. Gather with the people of God. Let your heart meditate upon God's goodness in Christ. Let your mouth and lips praise him and sing of his goodness. Let your feet lead you into the light rather than towards the darkness. So our passage calls us this morning to prize wisdom. Get it at all costs, stick to it. Remain on the path of wisdom. Don't wander away from it. Safeguard yourself so that you don't depart from it. So what I wanna do is just share a number of diagnostic questions for us this morning. So I'm speaking to the children among us, young children. This is where you should perk up from your coloring sheet. Do you listen to your parents joyfully? Do you know that they have been placed in your life for your good so that you would walk according to God's good precepts? God has given you parents to teach you that God's design for all of life is for your good, is for your flourishing. 
God gives you parents to show you that you are under authority, and we're all under authority in one way or another. But God has given you parents to show you that it's good that you're under authority and that you are not the center of the world. And that's good for us. Perhaps a word to middle schoolers and high schoolers and college students among us. Do you bristle at instruction? I, I won't mention any names, but increasingly I can tell that as you get older and your parents talk to you, it just sounds like a talking head and, and your face will begin to convey that I'm not listening and this is very uninteresting and I can't wait to go in a different direction, right? Are you bristling at instruction or are you eager to receive it? Do you think that you can play on the path of folly and not be pulled in? Are you fleeing from the way of the wicked? Who are the companions that you keep closest to you? Not just your friends, but who are the most prominent voices that you listen to? Is it people who produce podcasts, YouTube celebrities, and social media influencers, and music artists, and movies, and sitcoms? Can you recite all the lyrics of a Taylor Swift song, but you don't hardly know any scripture? Or is it your parents and your elders and your small group leaders and your mentors who are the most prominent voices in your life? A word to parents. Are we passing on a spiritual heritage to our children? Many of us think of the inheritance that we would like our children to have, or at least we don't wanna saddle them with debt or anything. And yet, are we taking every opportunity to instill in our children even adult children, wisdom, love of Christ and his church, and shape their outlook as they navigate our world. I have read estimates that 75% of the time that you have with your children will be spent by the time they're 12. 90% will be spent by the time they are 18. How are you using those precious and fleeting moments to build up this next generation to be men and women of faith? single moms in our church. How might you recruit a godly man in the church to instill wisdom into your child or your children's life? And perhaps what men among us might be called to that ministry? Senior saints, empty nesters, others who don't have children in their home anymore, you're not off the hook. You're not done yet. Pour into your grandchildren, pray, serve, mentor, pass a spiritual heritage to the next generation. We didn't plan this, but Aaron would love to talk to you if you're willing to do that. And you know, this is one of the things I've just been thinking about. Perhaps energy wanes, time is not given to that anymore, but perhaps through your giving, through your support of the church and of our ministries, you leave a legacy for the future when you're not in the accumulation stage anymore, but things look full and prosperous, perhaps there's a way to use the resources that God has blessed you in order to free us as a church for the future and to build in a legacy for the next generation. Let me conclude by looking at verse 23. 
It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Jesus in John 7, 38 said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He says something very similar to the Samaritan woman in John 4. So the world says that you need fortune, fame, and friends in order to be happy, but God tells us that joy and life flow from the inside out. Material riches do not satisfy, but by faith in Jesus, our hearts can be transformed into fresh springs of light and life. In Jesus, when we seek God's wisdom, we come to discover Jesus and his wisdom and his life and his death for us and we experience his acceptance and forgiveness and promises and grace and his love. So the plea of Proverbs 4 is not just embrace wisdom but to embrace a life that is hidden in the person and work of Jesus Christ, wisdom incarnate. Prize not just wisdom, prize Jesus. Walk not just in the path of wisdom, walk in the very footsteps of Jesus. Guard yourself from not just departing from the path of wisdom, guard yourself from not wandering away from Jesus. There is no lasting wisdom apart from fearing Yahweh and embracing his son, Jesus Christ. And so for those here even this morning who are watching online, if you're not trusting in Jesus, we would love to talk with you. It would be our joy to walk with you and to show you how you might take hold of life and joy in following Christ. Our invitation to you is to repent and believe and to receive Christ. I was thinking as I was writing this sermon, what about those of us who don't have any godly father figures in our life? You only have memories of heartache, if you think about your earthly father. You got no wisdom, you got no inheritance, you got nothing but scars from your earthly father. And hearing a message like this, it just might make you bristle. And yet, for those who do have godly fathers, receive the godly spiritual heritage that is being passed. And for those of you who are fathers and mothers, pass that spiritually, spiritual heritage to the next generation. And yet through God's inspired word, our heavenly father calls to each and every single one of us this morning to receive his good precepts for our joy and life. He is a father to the fatherless and he calls all of his beloved children to walk in the way of life. He invites us to bask in the light of his glory that grows brighter and brighter and to become springs of living water that flow forth to those without Christ. And so what we see in Proverbs 4 is not just the appeal of that father, perhaps Solomon, to his sons, but what Proverbs 4 has for us is the appeal of our heavenly father to all of his children saying, come, walk in my ways of life so that you might experience joy and life and life everlasting. Heed my commands. They're so good and for your good. And in our world that is increasingly departing from godly wisdom, from ethical living, from morality. 
increasingly foreign. We need to be a church that is steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And so I just feel this burden this morning. We, we don't ever do Father's Day sermons, right? But consider this that. If you're a father here, I want all of us to rise up. You don't have to stand up, but I want us to spiritually rise up and take hold of this call that God has given each and every single one of us. Let not the next generation be void of wisdom because we failed the call. Dads, rise up. Moms, help your husband. He needs your help. And if you don't have biological children, oh, we have 800 that you can minister to. We would love your help. Oh, let it be that fathers rise up in this generation to make much of Christ, treasuring him in all of life for God's glory and for our everlasting joy. Let's pray. Father, what a joy and privilege it is to sit under your word together and we pray that you would cause this word to take root in all the hearts that need to hear it and that you would change the trajectory of lives, of children, of adult children, of grandchildren, that you would change the trajectory of generations so that 50, 100 years from now, people would look back and say, thank God they didn't drop the baton. And so do that, Father, for your glory, for the good of your church, for the exaltation of your name. Cause the name of Christ to be greatly exalted in every heart and mind and do that work for generations to come. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sermons Podcast from the North Church. For more information about our church or resources to help you deepen your walk with Christ, please visit us at thenorthchurch.com.